Hi guys, welcome. Ren City here again. NBA Thirteenth edition. A weekly podcast of sorts. Comes out every Monday. See all the week of sports, the whole laydown of everything that happened, but didn't have enough room for the NBA, so decided to do my own little weekly recap on that, where I break down the divisions and go from there, and uh, yeah, let's hop right to it. Um, the All-Star game, they announced who the starters would be, that's pretty exciting, so yeah, we'll start in the East, uh, your starters, Milwaukee's Giannis Antetokounmpo, Boston's Jason Tatum. Philadelphia's Joel Embiid, Indiana's Tyrese Halliburton. Your first time start for him in the All-Star game, second time All-Star appearance. And also from Milwaukee, Damian Lillard. It's crazy, it's the first time Dame Lillard will start an All-Star game. He's been an All-Star, but it's the first time he'll start an All-Star game. Uh, guess just took a move out East. <laughs> um, I was a little surprised with the Lillard start. I figured he'd make the All-Star game, but I thought Jalen Brunson of the Knicks would be in there. I mean, if Donovan Mitchell was healthy all season, there's probably a chance he could sneak in there, but... You know what? I'm not hating on it. There's still time for the reserves to get announced, so we'll see what happens there. Out West, no surprise, LeBron James making another All-Star game, a record-setting All-Star game for him. Denver's Nikola Jokic, Phoenix Kevin Durant, De- Dallas's Luka Doncic, and first-ever All-Star game start for Shea Gildas-Alexander, and uh, he took the spot over Steph Curry. Weird not seeing him in the starting lineup, but... Uh, Good on SGA for getting in there. Anthony Edwards, that's a big name you won't see on there. He'll be in on the, as a reserve on the team, but uh, that's the thing. Who are you going to take off for those guys, right? We'll go to the team recaps now. We'll start in the East. We'll start in the Atlantic Division like we have since Episode 1. Now we're in Episode 13. Crazy. But uh, we'll start with the Atlantic with the best team in the NBA right now, at least by record, the Boston Celtics. They went 3-1 and one this past week. Losing a tight one against Denver at home, that was their first loss in Boston all year. They were 20-0 and before that game, and it was a tight one coming right down to the wire. Some plays could have went here or there, but they lost. It was a tough one. They'd go to Texas. They'd beat the Rockets. They'd beat the Mavericks. They'd go into Miami, taking on you know, Miami for this uh, <laughs> rivalry week the NBA was pushing, and it was not a good night for Miami. Boston killed them. This team's stacked, you know. Every night they come out and they show it. They look like a team that's been very close to a title and hasn't won one because that's what they've been. And they look like now's the time. We want to win it now. And they're making all the plays to look like it. I know I picked Milwaukee to beat the Lakers in the final, repping Lakers today. But uh, (laughs) that was my preseason pick. But this Boston team, they look the real deal. Tatum. He's starting in the All-Star game, as I alluded to earlier. Jalen Brown should be joining him at the game. Maybe Porzingis. I don't know. White and Holiday. They're a perfect mix. That starting five is perfect. But, uh, yeah, they got some tough games coming up against Clippers, Pelicans, Pacers, Lakers. All should be fun games. And Boston should probably win them. They're that favorite. That Clippers one, that'll be a fun one. Um Next up in the Atlantic, the Philadelphia 76ers, third-seeded team in the Eastern Conference. They went 3-1 and one this past week. They go on the road and beat the Magic and the Hornets. Then we get our showdown, finally, with Joel Embiid going up against number one overall pick, Victor Wembenyama of the Spurs. And 
Embiid wanted to show out right from the get-go. He'd match his career-high 59 points after just three quarters. Yeah, last year's MVP would finish with 70 points. 70 points in this one. That's crazy. He's just the ninth person in NBA to reach that milestone. He passed Wilt's 76ers record for most in a game. He had 68. And yeah, he didn't just have 70 points. 18 rebounds, 5 assists. It was something else to watch, you know? Uh, and, of course, it happened the same day as Kobe Bryant's 81-point performance back in 2006. Funny how those all all kind of line up the same way. But, uh, yeah, that was Philly's sixth win in a row. But that streak would end when they'd go up against Indiana and fall to the Pacers. But this Sixers team, I'm telling you, when Embiid's cooking, they're, they're a title favorite, too. I don't want to just start throwing, you're a title favorite, you're but... Boston and Philly, they definitely are in that category. Uh, We'll go from the city of brotherly love to the Big Apple. The Knicks, they're all the way up to fourth in the Eastern Conference. They're going three and all this past week. They're 11-2 since acquiring OG Adenobi. What a pickup he's been. Like, they crushed OG's former team, the Raptors, and MSG. Then they went in the Brooklyn, beat the Nets, as, like I said, part of the NBA's rivalry week. But then they return home and they crush the defending champion, Denver Nuggets. Like I said, this team has been clicking since picking up OG. He's done everything and then some, exceeding all expectations. He's a perfect fit. I mentioned at the top of the show maybe Brunson should have been in that all-star starter group. I know he'll make the team. Julius Randle might have a chance. He had such a bad start to the year, but he's turned it around. Him and him and Randle are a pretty damn good one-two punch, and you have OG doing absolutely everything else. This team is clicking. And, you know, shout-out to Jericho Sims. He came back to the lineup at a good point because Isaiah Hartenstein's been dealing with an injury in his Achilles, and he's missed the last few games. So they're a little thin up front. So Precious Achua's been getting a few more minutes. And like I said, Jericho Sims, I uh, covered him episode 45 in my other podcast. But uh, when I do Jersey mentions, but we'll go, we'll stick with this. We'll go to Brooklyn. We'll stay in New York. Oh, one last thing about the Knicks. Five-game winning streak right now. But anyway, on to the Brooklyn. We'll talk the Nets. They went 1-3 and three this past week. They went into L.A. and just shocked the Lakers, beating them by 18. And then uh, things would start to even out as how the Nets have played this year. They'd lose a close one to the Clippers. They'd return home, lose to the Knicks I just mentioned. Then they'd lose a tight one to the Timberwolves that they were in. They could have won that. This team's hard to read, you know? They beat up on the Lakers. And then they were overmatched in the next three games, but had a chance to beat the Timberwolves. So... I don't know. It was a, Those were all tough games they had in this past week, so hard to go off that. Schedule is not really getting any easier, though. And the next week, they host the Rockets, Jazz, and the Suns. They could lose all three of those. And you know what? They could surprise them and win all three. That's the way the Nets have rolled this season. We'll wrap up the Atlantic. We'll, we'll go to Canada's team, the Raptors. They had two games this past week and lost them both. Losing big to the Knicks, as I mentioned. The emotional New York return for R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly. Wasn't a fun return as they got pounded, and then they'd uh, the Raptors would host the depleted Grizzlies team, and they'd lose to these Grizzlies. I don't know; they look like a closing down bakery out there. The way they were handing out turnovers, but Coach Darko has got to figure something out and get this team playing better. They have some tough games coming up: Clippers, Hawks, Bulls. This could get ugly, and the Raptors could be on a long losing streak if they don't turn this around. Scotty Barnes is doing this thing, you know, he's the new face of the team going forward with Siakam out of there now. RJ's look good in Raptor colors, quickly still seeming to find that balance of attack and distribute, that ratio seems to be off. I think Darko is wanting him to be more attack and shoot, 
But we'll see. You know, it's hard to adapt. These are young guys who played their whole career there, and they're adapting to playing with the Raptors. I think the biggest thing with the Raptors is Jakob Pertl. That hole in the middle is really evident. You know, Porter's been trying to fill in, but he's just not doing it. And with Achua leaving, they're even thinner up front, right? But I think once Pirtle comes back, they can make a bit of a run, but they got a lot of work to do. And I don't think Masai's done yet. I think there will still be trades to be done here. We'll leave the Atlantic. We'll go to the Central Division. We'll start with the second-seeded team in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks. They went 3-0 this past week, but there's a little more to it than that. After two very close wins over the Pistons, Milwaukee said, you know what, fuck it. They fired coach Adrian Griffin, sitting in second place in the East with a 30-13 and record, and they let him go. That's got Blatt vibes of Cleveland there. And Griffin's 43 games as head coach, tied for the sh- third shortest head coaching tenure in NBA history. Not what Griffin was hoping for after grinding away in his assistant to finally get his chance at the big job and to make it 43 games. I mean... The Bucks have lost some questionable games, and there's been talks that Griffin may have lost the locker room, but it's a pretty good record to get fired with. And, you know, there's been some tight games against some lower competition, but they've won most of those games. Defensive numbers down? Sure. But you gave up one of the best defensive players in the league, Drew Holiday, for a guy that can score in Damian Lillard. So you can't have both, you know? But you know what? Tough break for Griffin. I hope he gets another chance because I don't think he got a proper kick at this. And then it was announced soon after that Doc Rivers was hired as the new coach. You know, it was a little shady for the season. He was doing some consulting and helping helping the team, you know, get ready. But as soon as the guy he helped gets fired, he just swoops in takes the job. I mean... He's got a good resume. He's got that one title he won with the Celtics in 2008. And, you know, it seems like this Bucks team has looked at their championship window, saw how much it was open, and said, no, we can't stick with Griffin, and sent him out and brought in Doc, and we'll see what Doc can do. He's got two all-star game starters, as I alluded to. I think as long as the Bucks don't go up 3-1 in a series... I think Doc and the Bucks should be fine. But, uh, yeah, a day after the firing, Doc wasn't ready to coach yet, so Joe Prunty filled in as interim coach and helped guide the Bucks to a win over the streaking Cavs. So it'll be interesting to see how this team comes together under Rivers. You know, uh, they'll be judged on the postseason, and this team is about the title. So if they don't get a title, I don't know. We'll see, but... I think they'll give Doc a longer leash, which is unfortunate for Griffin. I feel for the guy. I don't think he got a proper a proper go. But anyway, we'll go. We'll stick with the Central. Next up, the Cavaliers, who I mentioned, they went two and one this past week. They beat Atlanta, and they'd go into Orlando and they beat the Magic, and they'd lose to the Bucks in Milwaukee, which I just mentioned, ending their eight game winning streak. Yeah, and this team's been one of the hottest in the NBA over the last few weeks, and they're continuing to do it without Darius Garland. Or Evan Mobley. Like, I don't know how they're doing it. Donovan Mitchell's been playing lights out. He'll make the All-Star game as a reserve. He's got to. I, I don't think Jared Allen win. It's not the sexy pick. But, man, he's been doing great. Man in the middle with the Cavs. With Mobley out, he's been running the show in the middle. We knew about Karis LeVert off the bench and what he can do. But how about former second-round pick out of Utah State, Sam Merrill? He's been a huge spark off the bench lately, dropping 18 against the Hawks, 26 against the Magic. Like I said, both off the bench. 
doing great things there. The Cavs' next two games, it's a rematch against the Bucks before they return home and take on the Clippers. So a nice little barometer for this injured team that has no excuses. And more shout, more shout-outs for J.B. Bickerstaff. What he's done with this Cleveland team is not getting talked about enough. Another good team in the Central, the Indiana Pacers. They went 1-3 this past week, finally getting their first win since acquiring Pascal Siakam from the Raptors. The debut went a little quicker than I thought. I thought he would have missed those first few games, but boom, he was suited up with Halliburton, went up against the Blazers. Didn't go so well. Blazers won late. Halliburton would then miss the next three games due to injury management. They want to make sure he's okay before he fully comes back. The Pacers would lose to the Suns in the desert. They'd return home, lose a tight one to the defending champion Nuggets. Then they'd beat up on that hot Philadelphia 76ers team I alluded to earlier, ending their winning streak. And it was big. Like, it was the first win since getting Pascal. He balled out, went for a triple-double. Team continues to flex depth, and that win over the Sixers. Seven players reached double figures, and yeah, it was a huge win for them. I mentioned the top of the episode, Tyrese Halliburton was selected to be All-Star starter. First time in his career, so hopefully he can come back from injury and stay in the lineup. Because that one-two punch now with Siakam, that's, that's pretty damn good with all that depth. Look out. You know they're going to score. It's whether or not they'll get those key stops. We'll go to the Windy City. Chicago Bulls went 1-2 and two this past week, beating up a depleted Grizzlies team. They then give up a 23-point lead in the second half and lose on a last-second shot to the Phoenix Suns. Then they'd go to L.A. and lose to the Lakers in a high-scoring affair. At times, this team looks like a playoff team, straight up. Then they have moments when they're having an identity crisis, and the latter seems to be more frequent here. Which makes me think this team will make a move before the deadline. Like I've said, it's just a matter of who. Talks of Demar, maybe Caruso. Do you move Zach Levine? He's injured. It's hard to move someone that's injured. But this, the GM, the president, whoever is in charge of making all these moves around deadline, they got to look at themselves in the mirror and say, can we contend in the playoffs? Can we make the playoffs with this team? What's looking back at them says, I don't think so. they got to make the move. So... I think they will. I don't know who. I'm leaning towards DeMar. I feel he might get moved just because of the injury to Levine. I don't know if they're going to feel like they're going to get what they feel is fair with him on the injury reserve or injury list, but we'll see. Lots happening in Chicago. We'll finish the Central. We'll go to Detroit. They went 1-2 and two this past week, and I mean, they, they played pretty well all week without... Cade Cunningham, who is pretty much their most consistent piece all season. The Pistons were in both those home games against the Bucks, ultimately losing them both. But then they'd host the Hornets and pick up a surprising win. Boyan Bogdanovich, huge, 34 points in that game. And it seems like the Monty Williams is still trying to figure the team out here. Different guys chipping in different nights. You know, some nights it's the vets, like Boyan or Alec Burks had a huge night. Other nights, it's Mar- Marcus Sasser, the rookie, who had some great games early in the season and, su- and disappeared forever. Or, you know, fellow rookie Osser Thompson, the more the higher-drafted pick. But, yeah, out of the starters probably giving the most consistency right now, you got to look at Jalen Duren and Jaden Ivey. They're showing that they are NBA players. And, you know, during that losing streak, it was questionable of who is going to make it in here, you know? Well, there's all those questions, but showing heart. They're doing what they can without Cunningham. They're learning as they go. Their next game's against the Wizards, so maybe they can get a two-game winning streak going, which seems crazy in Detroit, but hey, who knows? We'll finish the Eastern Conference up going to the Southeast, starting with the division-leading Miami Heat. They have the seventh best record in the East, but they lead this division, and it wasn't an ideal week for Miami going 0-4 this past week. 
However, in the middle of those four games, the Heat made a move. They traded vet and former Raptor champion Kyle Lowry to the Charlotte Hornets with a 2027 first-round pick for Terry Rozier. So you lose some championship veteran leadership, but Lowry has not been, you know, he's been a shell of his form of self here. Rozier is going to give you immediate scoring right away. Before the trade, the Heat lost a close one to the Hawks for getting blown out by the Magic. After the trade, Memphis spoiled Rozier's debut, and then the Heat got murdered by the Celtics that I alluded to earlier as part of that rivalry week. Did not look very rivalry-like. The Heat need to figure out this new roster sooner than later and get back on winning ways. They always seem to, and I do like the Rozier pickup. We'll see how it transpires over the, the next few games. We'll stick in Florida, the next team in the division, the Orlando Magic. They went 1-2 and two this past week. They got beaten up by the 76ers, but they bounced back and beat up on the Heat, as I just alluded to. They would then return home and lose to a streaking Cavs team. And uh, they kind of cooled off from their hot season, the Magic, here. They did get Franz Wagner back in that win against the Heat. Having him out of the lineup, was it didn't help things. Bringing him back is going to help realign things, get people coming off the bench that should rather than starting. Kind of helps everything out. Gets the ecosystem back to where you want it. But we'll see what happens there. The Magic had a great start to the season. Bancaro and Wagner, a good one-two punch. I'm expecting them to reel off some wins here. They do have some tough games. Like, the Suns and Mavs, they're not going to be easy. But this Magic team can pull it off. I think they're going to start stringing off some wins here. We'll leave Florida. We'll go to Georgia. Atlanta, lot almost said Falcons there. The Atlanta Hawks went 1-3 and three this past week. They beat the Heat in a close one. But then they lose three straight. All by pretty big margins. Losing at home to the Cavs for going on the road and losing to the Kings and Warriors. Hawks have been missing their leader the last few games. Trey Young has been out. He's been in concussion protocol, which is used because despite the team's down season, he was putting up pretty good numbers, you know. And this is par for the course in Atlanta. Trade talk with the Hawks. You know, John Collins, he's not here. He's in Utah, so it's not John Collins on the trade block. It's DeJounte Murray. Which contending team's going to want him? There's talks that the Lakers might be looking at him, but we'll see where DeJounte Murray goes. He's a great guard. I don't know. It's just, it seems like him and Young, it hasn't worked in the wins anyway. At times they look pretty good together, but it hasn't looked very good in the win-loss record. Next up, Charlotte Hornets. They surprisingly went 2-2 two and two this past week, beating the Spurs with four players scoring 20 or more in that one. Then they lose a close one to the Sixers before going into Minnesota and spoiling a historic night by Carl Anthony Towns. The huge comeback win for the Hornets there. Then that the Hornets made that move, sending Rozier to the Heat for Kyle Lowry. We'll probably get moved again before the deadline. But uh, that opens up more touches for Brandon Miller, who's been playing really well lately. But uh, the Hornets went into Detroit, and they looked a little lackluster. Maybe they were a little bummed out that the team gave up on Rozier, trading him away, so... I don't know, they were getting healthy, figuring things out. Like I said, that game against the Spurs, four guys and 20 or more. But we'll see what happens. I imagine Lowry will get moved soon. I'm interested to see what kind of assets the Hornets get back here. Wrapping up the Eastern Conference, go to Washington. Talk Wizards, 0-4 this past week. All four losses came at home. Losing a tight one to the Spurs. And they did actually stay in the game a bit against two tough teams, the Nuggets and Timberwolves. But after that Timberwolves game, they'd relieve Wes Unsell Jr. of his coaching duties and move him to the front office in an advisory role. So Brian Keefe takes over the interim position to finish the season, and then they'll begin a coaching search in the offseason. So 
The change didn't immediately help. Uh, they played the Jazz and lost by 15 in Keefe's coaching debut. And this team, they've just... It's been a dis- disappointing season for Washington all year. They're trying to move on from Bradley Beal, and it's not gone well. Kyle Kuzma and Denny Avdia have had pretty good seasons, you know, and they look like team players you want on your team. And Tyus Jones, he's been playing pretty well. He had a double-double in the loss of the Jazz, 12 points while dishing out 14. There's talk, it's 14 dimes, sorry. There's talks uh, contenders are looking to try to add him to the team. So uh, we'll head to the Western Conference now. We'll start with the Northwest Division. The top three teams in the division are also the top three teams in the conference. And uh, the only three teams that have more than 30 wins in this conference. We'll start with the current leaders, and that's just barely leading the conference, the Minnesota Timberwolves. They went 2-2 two and two this past week, losing a showdown with the Oklahoma City Thunder, where Anthony Edwards said it's hard to beat the Thunder when SGA gets all the call he's, calls he gets. But it's tough for Edwards to say that when he got fouled with the team down three and he missed all free all three free throws. So you shouldn't uh, shouldn't be calling people out when you're missing free throws at the end of games. But the Wolves then had that historic night I mentioned against the Hornets with Carl Anthony Towns scoring a new career high and Wolves franchise record 62 points. However, only four of those points came in the fourth quarter and they'd end up blowing it to the Hornets, spoiling a huge historic night for Cat. Chris Finch and Coach Chris Finch and Anthony Edwards, so the team was very immature in how it developed, and they deserved to lose. Uh, the Wolves went on to win their next two games. I mean, granted, it was the Wizards and the Nets, but a win's a win, right? The, they still lead the West. They have some doozies coming up. They play the Spurs, and then, I mean, that's not really a doozy, but then they have a rematch against the Thunder before taking on the Mavericks. Next up in the Northwest, that Thunder I just mentioned, they went 3-0 and this past week, winning that game in Minnesota that I alluded to. And I mentioned Edwards' comments. The SGA took it to Instagram and did the Drake route by going, they talk about me for my post-game, not my post-game, you know, referring to his actual post-up rather than his post-game conversation. I shouldn't be explaining that. I, didn't, I feel it was already explained. <laughs> Excuse me. And then the Thunder would win a controversial one over the Blazers. It was wild. The Thunder were down by one. Malcolm Brogdon just went over half. He was kind of in the trap zone right near the sideline. And he got trapped. Good pressure by the Thunder. And it looked like Chauncey Billups, the coach, was signaling timeout. Looked like Brogdon was saying timeout. It wasn't given. He ended up dropping the ball there. They called double dribble. Uh, They gave the ball to the Thunder. Billups lost his mind. Two straight technicals. Swing in the game. They were up one. SGA would hit one free throw. And then J-Dub, Jalen Williams, would hit a shot with like two seconds left, giving the win to the Thunder. They totally stole it. And then they followed that up by blowing out the Spurs. And this everybody hyped it up, you know. It's like Chet Holmgren of the Thunder, Victor Wembenyama, these two lengthy rookies. But it was such a blowout, it didn't really work out into what you'd expect, but it's crazy how good this team is being the second youngest team in the league. I, I cannot emphasize how crazy that is. It doesn't usually happen. Gilgis Alexander, he's like an old head out there, you know? He's in the MVP race for sure, and I mentioned he's a starter in the All-Star game for the first time. I hope Jalen Williams makes it. I don't know if he will. He's a legit second scorer in this league, and he, I imagine he'll have All-Star games in his future. Maybe he won't slither in this year. The West is pretty tough. Next in the division and the conference, defending champs, Denver Nuggets. They went 3-1 and one this past week. 
beating the league leading Boston Celtics on their home court. Like I said, first time Boston lost at home all season. Then they'd win close ones over the Wizards and Pacers, and then they'd go in the Madison Square Garden and get blown out by the Knicks. It was ugly in the first half. It was not looking very good at all. And then you'd have Jokic getting poked in the eye by Dante DiVincenzo. It looked bad. It was accidental, but it was right on there. It was super red. He had it looked at. He had to take his free throws or else he'd leave the game. So he took both of them. He left the game anyway. But hopefully it's nothing serious. Eye injuries, they can be bad. Maybe we'll see goggled Jokic going forward. The goggles do nothing, but we'll see what happens there. Nuggets have some tough games coming up, so hopefully Jokic doesn't miss them. 76ers, Bucks, and Thunder. If they're missing Jokic, those games could go real ugly for them. Next up in the division, the Utah Jazz going 1-2 and two this past week after going on their huge winning streak. They lose a real close one to the Rockets in overtime. Then they play the Pelicans, who did not want to lose to the Jazz again and pounded the hell out of them. Then the Jazz would bounce back and beat the newly coached Wizards, and Utah seems to have found their lineup now. I mentioned quite a few times on various episodes how great it is Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench again. It just seems to work. Colin Sexton's been balling out. Lori Markinen continues to look like an all-star. John Collins, that huge double-double in the win against the Wizards. If he can put up that 22-16 kind of thing... Maybe not every night, but a little more consistently, that will help them get even more wins. We'll wrap up the Northwest by going to Portland, talk about the Blazers who went 2-2 two two this past week, beating the Pacers, spoiling Pascal Siakam's debut. Then they got beat up by the Lakers. Then they suffered what some may call a hose job against the Thunder when they couldn't get their time out. Like I said, those two straight technical fouls against Chauncey that led to an ejection was massive. It was then announced the Blazers are actually filing a protest to challenge the result of that loss to the Thunder. We'll see what happens with that. They don't usually work out, but hey, we'll, we'll never know. It looked pretty... It was close. It was hard to say whether he called it before he dropped it. I don't know. We'll see what they decide. Uh, but yeah, the Blazers bounced back from that, forcing OT against the Rockets, and then uh, they forced it with a huge banking three from Jeremy Grant. It was crazy. He banked it in right at the buzzer, and in overtime, they'd take over Winning the game. Number three overall pick, Scoot Henderson. He's starting to develop. Anthony Simons is looking like a legit scorer in this league. And when the Vets are doing this thing, this Blazers team can surprise you. Like most developing teams, it's about the consistency, right? It's the hardest thing to maintain, but I'm liking the development under Chauncey Billups in this team. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Leaving the Northwest, we'll go with the Pacific. Division-leading Los Angeles Clippers have the fourth-best record in the Western Conference. They went 2-0 this past week. Beating the Nets before beating the Lakers as part of the rivalry week there. And the Clippers didn't really look threatened in either of those wins they had. Kawhi Leonard picked up his second career triple-double in that win over the Lakers. And this team is the real deal. They've got to figure it out. I believe I've said it once. I've said it again. Others have said it. That move by Russell Westbrook asking him to go to the bench. It's really what triggered all this. And him asking for it. Huge of a Hall of Famer to do that. This team's entered, I believe, that title contender conversation. They are that good in a seven-game series. I think they could beat anyone in the league, you know? Like a lot of things, well, most things in life, it's going to come down to health. As long as this team stays healthy, they got to be in that title contender conversation. Next up in the division, the hottest team in the league, the Phoenix Suns, went 4-0 this past week, rocking a seven-game winning streak. Pounded the Pelicans when Booker went for 52 in that one, his first 50-burger of the season. Sixth time he's gone for 50 or more in his career. 
Uh, Kevin Durant would then have back-to-back 40-plus games and wins over the Pacers and the Bulls. That went over the Bulls I alluded to earlier. They were down 23 in the second half before KD went crazy before hitting the eventual game winner. Then the Suns took that monkey off their back by beating the Mavericks. Booker again went nuts, just shy of 50 points for 46. And it's big three starting to click right now. The chemistry's being made. This team is looking scary. Like I said, a seven-game winning streak. And everything I said about the Clippers, you're not wanting to play them in the seven-game series. Same applies to the Suns right now. We'll go back to Cali. We'll go to Sacramento. The Kings went 2-0 this week, beating the Hawks, and then winning a tight one over the Warriors. Common theme in both those wins, Harrison Barnes going for over 30. He did it out of necessity to help the Kings end a four-game losing streak, beating Atlanta. Then he just did it on his old stomping grounds to light up his old team, Golden State. That kind of play will be much needed. Like The Kings, they know what they're going to get night in and night out from De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, but they don't have that trusty third option. Malik Monk, he's a legit microwave off the bench. He heats up real quick. Kevin Herter, his shooting's gotten a lot better. He was in a struggle most of the season, but the West is just too tough to bank on two guys. So if they can get Keegan Murray or Harrison Barnes to continue what he's doing, this team can contend. Well, I don't want to start saying contender again, but they can make a deep run in the playoffs here. Next up in the division, Los Angeles Lakers. They went 2-2 two and two this past week, losing that surprising one at home to the Nets. They then trounced the Blazers before losing a battle of L.A. to the Clippers. They did bounce back in the nice win over the Bulls. And I mentioned earlier, this team just seems kind of meh right now. The talent's there, as we know. They showcased it in games. Other games, the play's just kind of lackluster. AD has been lights out. Can't put any blame on him. LeBron James continuing to do LeBron James things at his age is crazy. Like I said, an all-star starter again. The play of D'Angelo Russell, though, it's been something else. He's playing like a guy that wants to stay on the team, stay with the Lakers, and not get traded. He's been going crazy. He went in those games I talked about. He went for 20 in all of them, scoring over 30 once. He can be a very key piece on this team down the line, or he'll get moved at the deadline. I don't know. There's no in-between, it seems. Hopefully, if he does stick, he's not just like, whew, I'm still on the team, and then his play drops. He needs to play with this edge all the time because his stock's really high right now. We'll wrap up the Pacific by going to the Golden State Warriors. Like, it's been an emotional go for them. The passing of assistant coach Decky is really shaking the team up. You know, they went one and one after returning the play. They had two of their games against the Jazz and Mavericks postponed. Returning to the court against the Hawks, they had a lovely tribute for the assistant coach. And you could see the tears on the Warriors' faces. Like, it's tough, you know. And they played some inspired ball. They demolished the Hawks by 22. And then they'd host the Kings as part of the rivalry week in that game I alluded to earlier. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga, he made big plays for the Warriors in that. And they'd go up in the last minute of the game after the Kings kind of keeping the lead most of the game. But then the Kings went ahead by one, and Curry was dribbling around looking for a shot. Good pressure by De'Aaron Fox on Curry. And Curry just kind of lost the ball, and that's how the game ended. A brutal way to end an exciting game. Tough to go on with your job with all this heartache, and we'll see what Golden State can do. If there's any team that can deal with this adversity, you think it'd be them. We'll wrap up this team portion by going to the last division to get covered, the Southwest, starting with division leaders, New Orleans Pelicans. Sixth best record in the conference. They went 1-1 one and one this past week, losing to an on-fire Suns team where Booker went crazy and dropped a 50-bergum on them. They took that anger out from that loss on the Jazz when they scored a franchise record, 153 points in that win. This team's deep, and when their big threes cooking, they can beat anyone. That's... 
dare I say, in the Clippers and Suns category. It just seems their biggest enemy is themselves, the Pelicans. They never seem to get amped up for those big games as they should, Zion. But uh, the Pelicans have a doozy, of, a doozy of a schedule coming up. They play the Thunder, the Bucks, the Celtics, Rockets, all tough games. And if they all show up like they can, they can win all those games. Just behind the Pels, the Mavericks, they went one-on-one this week. They had a game against the Warriors postponed after the tragedy with Coach Decky, and then they'd lose at home to the Celtics before getting blown out by the Suns. And that game against the Suns, usually Luka owns them, but not this night. Luka was actually getting heckled a little bit, and he had a fan removed for basically saying, tired, Luka, you should hit the treadmill. Which doesn't seem very far at all. And even Luka after said maybe the frustration got the better of him, but... They missed Kyrie Irving in that game against the Suns, and he he was missed. Like, they're just not the same without him. When they have Kyrie and Luka both on the floor, this team is the real deal. Without them, they just kind of get by. And if they don't start doing more, Jason Kidd's seat uh, might start getting a little warm. Next up in the division, Houston Rockets. They went 1-2 and two this past week, winning a tight one in overtime against the Jazz. They then played much more competitive in this game against the Celtics, still coming up a little short. Then they looked like they had that game locked up for the against the Blazers before Brogdon hit a big three, followed by Grant hitting that buzzer-beating bank three to force overtime, where the Rockets ended up losing. So an up-and-down up down week for a team that's kind of learning on the fly. They aren't riding as high as they were earlier in the season. Actually, they're in the 11th spot right now, so they'd find themselves on the outside of the play-in looking in. But this team's exceeding expectations right now, and I think everything else they pick up during this season are all positives. More wins, they could still sneak into the playoffs. We'll go from Texas to Memphis. The Grizzlies went 2-1 and one this past week. They're missing John Moran, Desmond Bain, Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, yet they still show up and fight every night. They got blown out by the Bulls. They go into Toronto and surprise the Raptors. Then they go into Miami and spoil Terry Rozier's debut. One thing you can guarantee about this Grizzlies team is they'll leave it all out on the floor. They have guys you may never even heard of. Vince Williams has been balling. Gigi Jackson. Or a guy I mentioned in episode 46 jersey segment of my Sports and Shorts of Sorts podcast. John Contra rocking the number 46. This team holds tryouts every night for players trying to set up their future in the NBA. So they're playing hard and they're playing for their jobs, it seems. If you see Memphis on your schedule, do not circle that expecting a W. This team will come out and they'll fight you. We'll wrap up the team segment by going to my San Antonio Spurs, current basement dwellers of the Western Conference. They went 1-3 and three this past week, uh, losing to the Hornets. They bounced back and beat the Wizards. Then they just gave up a casual 70 points to Joel Embiid and that loss to the Sixers. Wemby had decent numbers in that game. 33 points, 7 boards, but it doesn't really compare to a guy going for 70. I don't like how often Wemby leaks out. In that game, he leaked out a bunch. I'm like, Embiid's there. Try to rebound against them. But uh, anyway, Spurs would then lose to the Thunder, and then there was that big, uh, like I said, that hyped-up matchup with Holmgren and Wemby, but... There were some good individual battles. You know, Holmgren hit a three over Wemby. Wemby dunked on him where he uses that go-go gadget arms. And, uh, yeah, it was hard to take that battle serious when it was so one-sided. Spurs are continuing to struggle as they learn on the fly, and I just hope they don't get too comfortable with losing. It's not a habit you want to develop. 
but love the development of Wemby. He's doing all this still on a minute's restriction, and despite being on that restriction, still leading the Spurs in points and rebounds. 20.4 points a game, 10.1 rebounds, nice solid double-double average. I'll jump into his blocks later when we go into the NBA stat leaders. So that's the team recaps. How's your team looking? You liking how they're poised to make a run, or do you think your team is going to be on the seller looking for a good draft pick and giving up players? I don't know. We'll see. Well, uh, let me know. <laughs> but we'll talk some individual stats now. Joel Embiid, huge 70-point night, helped his scoring average as he leads the league with 36 points per game. That's crazy. Rounding the top five in scoring, you have the Mavs, Luka Doncic at 33.6. Milwaukee's Yantis Antetokounmpo at 31.3. Shea Gildas-Alexander at 31.1. And Kevin Durant at 29.1. Rebounding, Sacramento's DeMontis Sabonis leads the league at 12.7. Just behind him, Rudy Gobert of Minnesota with 12.5. Anthony Davis of the Lakers with 12.2, followed by Denver's Jokic and Giannis Antetokounmpo at 11.9. Assist leader, still Indiana's Tyrese Halliburton, 12.6. Trey Young, he's missed a few of those games as well with concussion protocol, still second with 10.8. Just behind them, you have Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, and James Harden. On the defensive end, SGA still leads the league at 2.3 steals per game. Just behind him, Cleveland's Donovan Mitchell. Just behind those guys, you got Kawhi Leonard, Philly's DeAnthony Melton, and Portland's Matisse Thybul. Blocks leader, Spurs' number one overall pick, as I alluded to earlier, Victor Wembenyama, leading the league at 3.2 per game. That's crazy. Just behind Wemby is Milwaukee's Brooke Lopez at 2.9. Behind those guys, Utah's Walker Kessler. He's doing this off the bench, I might add, followed by a fellow rookie, <clears throat> Chet Holmgren of Oklahoma City, and Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis of the Lakers. And back to the team side, I guess. We'll talk the Ren City top five. Bam, bam, bam. A little bit of a change in the top five, but I refuse to change the top. Once you hit the top team, you'll understand. Boston Celtics, still number one. <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder at two. Minnesota Timberwolves at three. Milwaukee Bucks at four. Philadelphia 76ers at five. This list is getting harder to do. Five teams. There's a lot of good teams out there, and to separate them, it's getting tough. But like I said, not a lot of difference at the top. Boston Celtics look like the best team most of the season, and they should be at the top. OKC Thunder, four-game winning streak, and they beat the Timberwolves along that stretch, which is why they're ahead of Minnesota. Minnesota's in third. They bounce back with their wins, but their immaturity showed a little bit. If that continues, they'll continue to drop down this list. Uh, I have the Bucks at fourth on my list as they're rocking a three-game winning streak, and they seem to play a little more inspired ball. I know it might be a honeymoon phase without Adrian Griffin there. The dancing before the game seemed a little much, kind of like dancing on a grave. They did kind of kill his coaching career at the moment there. Fifth spot, I give it to the Sixers. They had that winning streak ruined by the Pacers, but... Man, they've been looking crazy with Embiid. Like I said, that 70-point game, I had to sneak them in there. Nuggets fell off the list after that bad loss to the Knicks where uh, Jokic got hit in the eye. That could uh, change things if they start losing games, if he has to miss time. The Knicks and Cavaliers are lurking in the East. They could try to break this top five. And the Clippers, they've been playing some great ball. And the Suns on that seven-game winning streak. we got some lurkers here. Going back to individual accolades, doing a little hip-hop here. Uh, MVP talk. I had SGA leading this for the last few weeks now. 
but he may have relinquished the spot right now. Not because of any drop in his play, but just Joel Embiid. You can't ignore it anymore. That 70 point, 18 rebound, five assist outing. You know, my jaw dropped in that game. What he does for that team is unreal. There's just so much better when he's there. He nakes his free throws. He takes a lot of free throws. The only thing that could hurt him is if he misses, I believe it's eight more games or seven more games, he will run out of contention because you need to play a minimum 65 to qualify for awards. But uh, like I said, I have him just over SGA. Other contenders, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jason Tatum, they're all right there. Luka's slipped a bit just because of his team's uh, win-loss record. Anthony Edwards got some MVP talk from me anyway. He's kind of dropped a bit. Kawhi Leonard could be in there, but the rest of his team has risen up so much. It kind of takes away from his numbers, but still got Embiid leading that race right now. For uh, Rookie of the Year, I think it's still Chet Holmgren. We didn't really get the showdown we wanted between Holmgren and Wemby that I alluded to earlier. It didn't live up to what we were expecting. But I think Chet's still got the slight advantage here, you know. It's going to come down to that old-fashioned debate. Is it uh, going to a good rookie doing good things, or a great rookie doing great things on a great team, second or best team in the Western Conference, or does it go to a guy shouldering the load on a bad team, averaging a double-double, leading them in points and rebounds, while leading the league in blocks? So the debate will continue to the end of the year, and it's going to go down to the wire. Still want to give shout-outs to Yama Yakez for the Heat. He's kind of backed up a bit as the Heat have gone a little healthy. But Brandon Miller with the Hornets has been playing great ball, and I expect him to get some more time with Rozier gone. And Scoot Henderson, also a shout-out to him, coming off the bench doing great things with the Blazers. He's really stepped up from his early struggles in the season. We'll go uh, some other trophy talk out there, Coach of the Year. I still think it's a tight race between Minnesota's Chris Finch, OKC's Mark Dagnall, Boston's Joe Missoula, and Cleveland's J.B. Bickerstaff. Just below those guys in the tier below that could maybe sneak in, Philadelphia's Nick Nurse, Rick Carlisle of Indiana, depending how they finish. If Houston or Utah go on a big run and make the playoffs, you got to give Adoka or Hardy some love there. But I think it's those first few teams I mentioned, those top teams in the Western Conference. It's got to go to them or maybe Joe Missoula with Boston. Sixth man of the year, I'm still leaning on Malik Monk of Sacramento, Hardaway Jr. at Dallas, and Utah has Jordan Clarkson in there now. But Karis LeVert can still sneak in there for Cleveland. Most improved, I mentioned, I love Kobe White's play in Chicago, Atlanta's Jalen Johnson. But he'll probably go to one of the more sexier pick of Tyrese Maxey of the 76ers or Houston's Alpern Sangoon. But, I mean, those guys were already really good. But, anyway, we'll see. But that's episode 13, guys. That's 13 in the books. Lucky number 13. I love 13. I got a tattooed all over my leg. <laughs> but, uh... We'll see what happens going forward. We got our all-star starters, some potential snubs, <clears throat> Jalen Brunson. But, uh, yeah, we, we can debate who's really in it, who isn't. It's going to come down to when the reserves are announced. That's when the real snubs happen. And the debate, everybody can say who should be on, but the tough one is who shouldn't be. It's always tough to pull someone off that team that's made it. But, yeah, it'll be exciting, and we'll find out, I imagine... Well, I don't know who will be coaching it in the Western Conference. We'll see. It's such a tight race there. We'll see who's coaching the Western team in the All-Star game. But uh, it's interesting to see what the Bucks will be doing going forward with Doc Rivers as a coach. Like I said, uh, he'll be showing up and coaching them, leading them forward. If they end up playing the 76ers, I imagine that'll be a fun one with Doc going up against his old team with Nick Nurse in the mix. 
And like I said, trade deadline's approaching. Is your team going to go all in and try to win? Are we going full tank mode and giving up assets for future prospects? You know, it's lots of fun ball to watch up. We'll see. I've mentioned my podcast, Sports and Shorts of Sorts, drops every Monday. Do the recaps every Friday. Love talking the sports. Love you guys checking it out. It's awesome. This is Ren City. Thanks again for coming along. Ren City out.